Um, I'm going to read a part of the Bible for us now together before Andrew comes and speaks. And today we're reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's on page 1159 in the church Bibles. That's page 1159 in the church Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting from verse 1 through to verse 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises from the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Thank you, Joyce. Good morning, everyone. My name's Andrew. I'm part of the church family here. Looking at this passage together. Okay, can everyone hear me? That was just a test to see if you understand if you only get 60% of the words, whether you understand what's going on. <laughs> We're looking at uh, 2 Corinthians together. It'd be great if you had that passage open in front of you, please. Um, it's on page 1159 in the church Bibles, page 1159. So if you could turn that up, if you haven't got it in front of you yet, It'd be great if you could. We're looking at 2 Corinthians together. Um, this is the beginning of the series, obviously, and we're going to be looking at the whole of the letter in the coming weeks and months. Um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you just have a look at the first two verses of this passage, you will see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the church in Corinth. It says in verse, the second half of verse 1, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Achaia is southern Greece. And it was Paul who preached the gospel in Corinth first. You can read about it in Acts chapter 18. So the church in Corinth exists. There are people there who've turned from their sins, put their trust in Jesus. They believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for their sins. And they believe that they're now forgiven because they trust in Jesus. Wonderful. There's a church there, brothers and sisters of ours. They are God's holy people, it says in verse 1. In other words, they belong to God. That was true of them, and it's true of us. If you're a truster in Jesus, you belong to God. That is great news. But Paul had a slightly difficult relationship with the church in Corinth. There were people who'd come into the church when Paul had left, saying, this guy Paul, he's a wimp. He's weak. He's a weakling. You don't want to listen to him. And so Paul does three things. Have a look at this. The beginning of verse 1, he reminds them that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. That means Jesus has appointed me to bring his truth to the world. In other words, Paul is saying at the beginning of this very letter, he's saying this letter is the word of God. This is God speaking. It's, this letter was God speaking to the Corinthians then, and it's God speaking to us now. And Paul makes it very clear that he didn't decide himself that he was an apostle. It says in verse 1, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It was God who decided. I'm an apostle. This is God's word and Timothy is with him. Second thing that Paul does at the beginning of this letter, he shows how much he loves the church in Corinth. See verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want, I want God to bless you. I want you to experience grace and peace in your lives. And the third thing that Paul does at the beginning of this letter, he talks about suffering and weakness. And in this passage, he's going to admit, I am weak. The people who are attacking me, they are right, I am weak, I'm, I'm weak, I suffer. I struggle sometimes. And so this passage we're going to look at, we've called it the God of all comfort. It's actually about suffering in the Christian life. So let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. This is an incredibly important passage for all of us. So I'm going to divide it into two halves, verses 3 to 11. Part A is verses 3 to 7, and I'm calling it the truth about suffering. The truth about suffering. And Paul says three things in this paragraph. They're really important. Firstly, he says... We experience suffering. 
we experience suffering. Look at verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles. We have troubles. We have problems. We have suffering. And he says in verse 5, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. He's talking about suffering in the Christian life. Everybody suffers in the world, but Christians suffer too. Sometimes specifically because we're Christians. You may be suffering because people in your family or people who are friends of yours laugh at you because you believe in Jesus. That, includes, that, that involves suffering. But there may be other kinds of suffering. There are lots of, lots of different kinds of suffering. You may be lonely. You may be worried about the future. There may be someone in your family, someone you're very close to who is very ill. And you are suffering and they're suffering. Or you may have been bereaved recently. You're suffering. Or you may be worried about your future because you haven't got a job. You're suffering. There's lots of different kinds of suffering. Uh, the, the very first song we sang today was Come People of the Risen King. And I love the reality uh, of that song because it says in that verse, uh, in that song, come those whose joy is morning sun. That's the people who are doing well. And those weeping through the night. I bet that's true of some of us here. Or we've just sung that song, Blessed Be Your Name. It's a wonderful song. Sometimes life is wonderful. But sometimes we struggle. And we feel like we're falling apart. It's the first truth about suffering. We all experience suffering. Secondly, Paul says, God comforts us. Have a look at verse 4 again. God comforts us in all our troubles. He doesn't say here how God comforts us, but he says he comforts us. And notice he says he comforts us in all our troubles. Not in some of our troubles. There's hope for us. If you're struggling at the moment, there is hope for you. God comforts us in all our troubles and look at verse 5, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. God comforts us. Now, how God comforts us will, will vary. The, mo the, the important thing is, when God comforts us, he comes close to us. We're aware of his presence with us. It may be that God's comfort means he's going to take the suffering away. But it doesn't have to mean that. It may be that God, God's going to comfort us. He's going to leave us in our suffering. We've still got that struggle, but he's going to comfort us. God doesn't promise that he's going to take suffering away. There's nothing in the Bible about miracles on demand. Sometimes God allows us to suffer and to struggle. We're going to learn more about that as we look at this passage. But God always promises comfort. Let's open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and be asking God for his comfort. And one of the main ways in which we experience God's comfort is when we remember what God is like. I'm sure that's why verse 3 
is here in our passage. I love verse 3. If you haven't got it, op- the passage open, please turn it up. It's really worth it. Verse 3 is wonderful. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. And he's the God of all comfort. Just think with me about these, few wo- few expre- these three expressions. And feel free to lift your heart and worship as I do so. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus in his reaching out in love to suffering people. That is what God is like. Look at Jesus washing his disciples' feet. That is what God is like. Look at Jesus with his arms outstretched on the cross, dying for the sins of the world. That is what God is like. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's also the Father of compassion. All compassion in the end comes from God. God has all compassion. He's not short of compassion. When you ask God for comfort because of the struggles you're going through, he's not going to say, sorry, yesterday was a very busy day. I don't have any compassion left for you. He's the father of compassion. And he's also the God of all comfort. He loves to comfort us. He loves to come close to us, but we just need to ask him to do it. So whatever your struggles are, something to do with your family, something to do with health, something to do with loneliness, whatever it is, or something to do with your home country, where there is so much suffering going on and it makes you suffer just to think about that. Whatever the suffering is, Lift your heart and ask God to help. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. And he's the God of all comfort. Thirdly, there are two results of this. Have a look at these verses with me. The first result is... We can comfort one another. Have a look at verse 4 again. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love that. If we've been comforted by God, if God has helped us, then we can comfort others. We can help others. I, I mean, the people that can most help you if you are lonely are people who have themselves been lonely and maybe still are but they've experienced God's comfort in other words they understand you do you get what I'm talking about but actually all of us have a responsibility to comfort and encourage one another there's somebody in your home group or somebody that you know well or the person you're sitting next to now that person probably needs comfort and encouragement support a reminder that God loves them. And sometimes it is just a case of reminding people what God is like. I remember many, many years ago visiting an old lady in a Bub Bar church. This is 30 years ago. Uh, she's in glory now. 
And she'd had a really tough time. Her husband had died. She wasn't in good health. She was having a really tough time. She'd known the Lord Jesus for many, many years, but she was struggling. She was having a really tough time. And I, we had a cup of tea together, and she, it just poured out of her, all the suffering, all the struggle, all the trouble. And she needed to say it. It was all true. And I listened, and I was praying, and I was thinking, now, how can I help this sister in Jesus? And when she'd kind of finished what she was saying, I said to her, I guess God must really be panicking. And she looked at me and she said, no, 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 God isn't panicking. He's completely in control. God knew this was going to happen. God's here. God's with me. He's looking after me. He's never going to leave me on my own. God knows exactly what he's doing. Suddenly, she was preaching to herself, saying the things that she knew, but she'd kind of forgotten because of the struggle. And we do forget in the struggle sometimes, don't we? what God is like. We need someone sometimes to remind us. You don't necessarily have to be as brutal as to say to somebody who's struggling, God must really be panicking. <laughs> but you can remind them that God, is, that God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he's the Father of compassion. That he's the God of all comfort. That's the first result when this comfort thing is happening, we can comfort one another. Oh, let's do it, church family. Let's be doing it. Is the Holy Spirit prompting you now, reminding you of someone that you could comfort, that you could encourage? And the other result is endurance. It means we don't give up. Have a look at verse 6. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. It means we don't give up. My natural reaction is to give up. I'm a giver-upper. My natural reaction, if I'm having a really tough time, and I am sometimes, is to think, is this, the, hell, is this the, the, the thanks I get for being a Christian? Sometimes I lapse into self-pity. And I'm almost thinking in comparison with me, Job had it easy. <laughs> but if I'm comforted by other people, and if I'm experiencing God comforting me, then I have endurance, then I don't give up. I will keep going, even though it's sometimes hard. Those are the two results. We comfort one another and we keep on, we endure. Verse 7, our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. There's the truth about suffering. Is there something here that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? Part B is verses 8 to 11 and it's the experience of suffering. Three things again that Paul points to here. These verses are wonderful verses. Firstly, Paul talks about how suffering feels. How suffering feels. Verse 8, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. That's talking about Asia Minor. He's almost certainly talking about what happened to him in Ephesus. 
where he was persecuted, where it was violent, where uh, it was a very dangerous situation. He had a really tough time there. But look at how Paul describes his experience of suffering. See if it rings bells with you. Second half of verse 8. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Do you see those expressions there? Paul says we were under great pressure, not just under pressure, great pressure. It felt like a burden. It felt like a weight on my shoulders, weighing me down, pushing me down. Then he says it was far beyond our ability to endure, not just beyond our ability to endure, but far beyond it. Can you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying, I was out of my depth. I was desperate. I was falling apart. And the end of verse 8, so we despaired of life itself. Look at the beginning of verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. It looks like Paul thought at one point he was going to die, or maybe he even wanted to die. Maybe he even got to the point where he thought, this is just too much for me. I cannot cope with this. I want to go to heaven now. And that is sometimes how suffering feels, isn't it? Some of us are experiencing that at the moment. We've been experiencing that this week. Or others of us can remember a time when we did experience suffering like that. All of us will experience something like that in the future, probably in 2023. There'll be something that will happen and it will crush us. That's how suffering feels. Secondly, why suffering comes. Why does God allow this to happen to Christians? Why doesn't it? Some people think, in fact, I once met a Christian in Austria who said to me, uh, I thought when I became a Christian, I wouldn't have any problems anymore. I said, well, I've got some news for you. Why does God allow this to happen in the lives of Christians? Happens in the lives of other people too, but we're talking about Christians here, people who trust in Jesus. Here's the reason, second half of verse nine, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now look at verse 10, it looks as though Paul was delivered from this suffering. But there's no guarantee of that. God doesn't promise miracles on demand. Sometimes he leaves us with the situation of suffering and trouble and struggle. But look at the end of verse 9, where Paul explains why suffering comes. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Because you see, we all naturally rely on ourselves. We're in a tough situation. We think, I must just grit my teeth. I must get through it. I can do it. And we rely on our experience or a relationship or we rely on our gifts. We try and rely on ourselves. 
And God wants to teach me and he wants to teach you to rely on him. And do you notice how Paul describes God at the end of verse 9? God is the God who raises the dead. Now, Paul could have just written, God is the God who raised the dead. That's true. He did raise Jesus from the dead. That's wonderful. It would have been true if he'd said, God who raised the dead. But instead, uh, Paul writes, God is the God who raises the dead. He's still got this power. He's still got this power. I want to say to you, I think this is the most important S in the New Testament. The S at the end of raises. God is the God who raises the dead. He's still got that power. And so when you and I stop relying on ourselves, when we come to the end of ourselves and say, I cannot cope with this, it's too bad, it's too awful. I'm going to trust in God, I'm going to rely on God. Then he gives us the comfort and the help we need. He is the God who raises the dead. I was talking to a guy in Austria. He was in his, in his 20s. Um, and he was having a really tough time. I don't remember the details now. It's a long time ago. But he came to see me because he wanted to talk about this. And it was a really hard thing for him. And um, we looked at this passage together, 2 Corinthians 1. And he was amazed when we got to verse 9. This happens so that we wouldn't rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I talked to him about this S at the end of raises. It's the most important S in the New Testament. And you could tell that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. So I did this for him. I just gave him a piece of paper with a big S written on it. It's the S at the end of raises. God is the God who raises the dead. He's still got that power, and his power can help you. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort, and he's the God who raises the dead. And I said... Why don't you take this home with you, stick it up in your kitchen on a kitchen cupboard, nobody else will know the significance of this, but whenever you see this, you will remember God is the God who raises the dead, he's got that kind of power, and he can comfort me, he can, he can help me. And he did that, and God, God used it. This is why suffering comes, so that we learn to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Maybe you want to draw a big S and stick it up in your kitchen this week. It could be what you need. Thirdly, two results. Two results that happen when we experience suffering and experience God's help. They're both in verse 11. The first result is prayer. People will pray for us. 
We need to ask God. We need to be honest. We need to ask people, sorry, to, pr to pray for us. We need to be honest about our struggles and our troubles. Please pray for me. I need God's help. Please pray. And if you look in verse 11 as well, there's thanksgiving. Because when we experience God's comfort, we will be thankful and other people will be too. It's very serious, very solemn, what we've just looked at this morning, isn't it, about suffering? It's a reality. Suffering sometimes feels awful. But suffering comes because God wants to teach us to rely not on ourselves, but on him, the God who raises the dead. If we want to experience God's comfort, if you need God's comfort now, then two things, three things need to happen. We need to ask others to pray for us. Please do that. Don't keep your struggles to yourself. We need to be ready to comfort one another. Who is that person that you could comfort, that you could encourage? Send a card to, send a text, meet up with them for coffee to try to encourage them to, and support them. And the third thing is we need to remember what God is like. He's here this morning. He's living in you by his spirit if you're a truster in Jesus. We need to remember what God is like. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. And he's the God who raises the dead. Let's pray together. Just have a silence in which we can make our own response. There are some of us here who have been weeping through the night. Some of us deeply distressed about a situation in our own lives. Let's be praying in the silence. Bringing our needs to God. Maybe you want to cry out to God that he would comfort you. Maybe you want to cry out to God, ask him to help you to rely not on yourself, but on him who raises the dead. We're not going to sing this song, but I'm going to read a song to you, read some words to you. Please use this as you pray to respond to God. There is a hope that lifts my weary head, a consolation strong against despair, that when the world has plunged me in its deepest pit, I find the Savior there. Through present sufferings, future's fear, he whispers courage in my ear. 
for I am safe in everlasting arms and they will lead me home. There is a hope that stands the test of time that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I behold his face. When sufferings cease and sorrows die and every longing satisfied then joy unspeakable will flood my soul, for I am truly home. Father, please help us now and as we go into this week to remember who you are. You are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father of compassion. You are the God of all comfort and you are the God who raises the dead. We bring ourselves to you in, with all our struggles and suffering. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.